helping clients meet their financial goals and prepare for the future. Schroders actively and responsibly manages investments. The world is forever changing, and we understand the need to adapt and evolve in line with what matters most to our clients. Hello, my name is John Schaefer, and welcome to the CityWire Wealth Manager podcast. Today, I spoke with Schroeder's Thematics Director, David Doherty, about how thematic investing is evolving and the risks that investors should be wary of. We looked at how you can spot a legitimate long-term trend, as well as when you need to scrap an idea that's not viable. So David, um, I wanted to first discuss how you're defining a theme um, as an investment house, given that it's a relatively new concept in the investment world. Yeah, you, you're right, uh, John. In terms of definition for us, what we've we tried to do is, is develop an overarching framework for thinking about thematics. And for us, the strongest themes and the most durable themes are those where human ingenuity is igniting innovation to resolve imbalances in the world. So they might be imbalances between population and resources. So that could be something like climate change, where the response would be the energy transition. Or they might be imbalances between supply and demand in individual industries where there, there could be unmet uh, demand or inefficient supply. And that obviously attracts uh, disruption as innovators come in and challenge the structure of those industries. So for us, that overarching framework is, is important. But I've kind of talked about two types of imbalances in many ways they're quite closely related. So if, if you take something like healthcare innovation, that's a response to some big population resource imbalances, you know, growing aging population requiring healthcare. And at the same time, the supply demand element is an area where disruptors are coming in because the healthcare industry is notoriously bad at, at waste. So we're seeing new um, entrants coming in to challenge that industry. So that's the, the kind of overall framework we have, and, and, and we think about all of our funds in that way. Let, let's take an example of aging population that you just mentioned there. How, how as, an, as an investor, do you invest in the theme of an aging population? Yeah, it manifests itself in, in a number of different ways, but the, the aging population, I suppose, most clearly manifests itself in, in healthcare. So, you know, healthcare is driven um, in, a, in a very big way by demographics. It's also driven by the cost issues I mentioned and, and the technology that we have in healthcare. So I think healthcare innovation is probably the most obvious area where that kind of demographic happens. But, but our feeling is that when you look at something like aging population or demographics generally, there are a series of demographic trends that kind of run through many themes. So it might be um, changing lifestyle decisions, you know, how late adopters, and we've seen that with COVID recently, people who didn't used to use um, internet shopping now do. So some of the some of those kind of aging uh, demographics can play out in other themes as well. So it becomes pretty broad then if you're on one side looking at healthcare and on the other side, perhaps things like Amazon on that basis. In terms of the breadth of, of themes and, and the Within opportunities available? Within one theme, yeah. If you're looking at ageing population and saying, yes, you know, we'll, we'll be, be looking at healthcare as an obvious one, but as you've just mentioned there, the idea that older people are going online to do their shopping and getting delivery services, it, it do sort of a lot of themes kind of merge into one after a certain point? Um, 
there are elements of, and I look at our range of, of funds that we have in thematics, that there, there will be some areas of overlap. But we think it's essential that the themes must stand alone um, as it seems that that those characteristics that I was mentioning. Um, but there, there is undoubtedly overlap um, between themes. And I think the point on, on demographics as, as, as technology would be another example of that. These are things that run throughout um, many different themes. So the themes themselves as the verticals, if you like, and then the, the horizontal influence of, of demographics or technology can affect all of them. Yeah. When we think about asset allocation in, in a traditional sense, I suppose we think about investing via country um, or via industry, those kind of things. But what's the business case for thematic investing? Yeah, I think that the business case, and maybe stepping back just for a moment away from the asset allocation point, but I'll come back to it, is that essentially um, clients are looking for ways where they, with precision, can access themes that are important to them. In, a, in an intellectual and or an emotional sense. So that need to respond to that demand, I think, is, is a very important part of the business case. But then when you're looking at it from the perspective of, of asset allocation, we think the thematics is a really important building block for the overall process of portfolio construction. So it, it can sit along tradition, alongside traditional assets, um, but provide clients with, as I mentioned, building blocks. But I suppose the, the key element for the client is that they need to, to understand their own needs and look at what thematics brings to them um, relative to those needs. So you know, there'll be different solutions, different themes will be attractive to different clients. But our sense is that it's an important part of the toolkit for overall portfolio construction. And when you say thematic investing can sit alongside traditional, perhaps country investing, are you concerned at all about potential crossover there as well? Perhaps certain countries you might associate with certain themes. Obviously, the States, uh, a lot of big tech companies there. And maybe if you were looking at an AI theme, you would associate some of the the big mega cap tech companies in there. Um, What's that risk and how, how do you manage that? A good question. I think one of and it, it plays to the, the sort of the environment is in, in a country fund, a, a traditional fund. Obviously, the fund managers will be thinking about themes, and equally, I think it's important for thematic investors not to lose sight of some of the the challenges that the country elements bring to bear in the way that a theme plays out. So, I think from a, a business case, they can sit alongside each other. But from an investment point of view, a day-to-day investment point point of view, I think it's important, as you suggest in your question there, that the thematic investor is cognizant of the differences that are playing out between different countries, even within a particular theme. When we uh, look at thematic investing, there's perhaps the idea of um, investing in in, uh, megatrends via FAD. And how do you do you spot the difference between the two and, and how much of an issue is this for thematic investors? Yeah, I think the the question of you know, avoiding the fad and it's, thematics is a, a growing area, it's becoming an increasingly popular area and it's important to avoid the fads. That, that framework that I was mentioning at the beginning about thinking about the fundamental, uh, the fundamentals of the ingenuity igniting the innovation to deal with these issues that can provide 
a lot of protection from the risk of a fad. But one of the things that we think, and it might seem slightly counterintuitive because with thematics, one's always thinking about the future, that we think it's important to understand the history of the future as well. And just to, to take a step and think about what things have mattered to humanity over the centuries matter today. And actually, very often, the same kind of things will matter in the future. So you take an example of we all get we're always excited about e-commerce and consumer convenience. Well, the Romans were the first people to invent the vending machine. That need for convenience has been going for centuries and we think will continue to. The desire for, for healthcare, these are things that have been important to people for a long time. So we think if we step back and think about the history of the future, that can protect us. But the bit to, to never forget really is that however strong a theme might be, however genuine it might be, the stock market is always looking to discount time. So I look at my, I'm embarrassed to say in the de- my desk, the number of devices on the desk um, in front of me. Everything that we thought would happen in 1999 has happened. But if you bought those companies looking to play a theme all those years ago, you lost a lot of money. So the basics of investment discipline, they, they must be applied to thematics as well. You know, it's, it's what price are you paying for something? And that can protect you from fads. So essentially you're saying, you know, you might be able to spot a long-term theme, but in the short run or even the medium run, you know, the, the, if all the companies that are associated with that theme might not do so well because the valuations will fluctuate. Uh, absolutely. So there's the, there's the finding the theme using the, the model that I was talking about earlier. Then there's the, the fundamental research of finding the companies. And then thereafter, it's what price are you paying? And Within an individual theme, the various different sub-themes of that theme, they will fluctuate in valuation and that gives the, the fund manager the ability to kind of navigate through those kind of circumstances. And obviously, it would be naive to not to think about the, the wider factors of, of, of economic cycles. Themes are not immune from, from those. And although we believe that themes are very long-term plays, as you suggested, there will be times when certain stocks within a theme come in and out of favour. Is there a bit of an issue of crowding into certain stocks with thematic investing? If you look at something like Tesla, that's obviously going to be in pretty much every electric vehicle fund that exists. How do you see the issues around that? I think our view on on crowding and, and that issue generally is is to to understand it and, and be aware of it. But actually to see it, and it links a little bit what we were talking about a minute ago about being active, is to see it as an opportunity. If we think that a particular stock is, is it's large but it's expensive, then that gives us an opportunity not, not to own it. So respectful and cognizant of crowding, but as, as I mentioned a minute ago, we're not looking at a weighting would be in the in the index, and we're interested in in finding the stocks that we think will will deliver the value, and so we'd we'd sort of behave in that way. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing thematic investors at the moment? Thematic investing, like any kind of investing, there's, there's lots of challenges. You know, picking the right stocks, paying the right price for them, of, of course, but and developing the products in a, 
in a sensible way. But that's the kind of thing that applies to, to all investing. But if I were to, to to have one, identify one challenge that was the biggest, and I think it kind of links the investment side to the, the, the product, the developing of the theme side. And I think that is, is how you build a universe. And when I say challenge, it, it, it's it's eminently doable, but I think it's the area that if you if you get that wrong, then that that's very damaging. So we found in the past that it's very important to use. We have a team here called the Data Insights Unit to, in a very disciplined way, build out a universe of investments within a particular theme, and also to have the the discipline. When we've come up with the theme that we like and we're all excited and it meets all these criteria, if there just aren't the stocks to play it, then we've got to be brave enough to say, look, lovely idea, but it's not practical. So I, if you were to press me on the single one, I'd say it's it's universe construction is the most important element of it. And, and, and maybe you could give an example of where you've constructed a universe but had to jettison that idea. One area which we were very interested in and was this notion of, of education. And you know, that would be a, a kind of an area where you know, it's a population resource type issue, isn't it? You know, providing education to people who need it. As our lifestyles change, we need more training. We might move careers and do different things with our lives. So we felt conceptually, and, and of course, the provision of, ed- of education, like the provision of healthcare, hasn't always been successfully done around the world. But so we want we like that idea. And we used our data insights unit to build a, a universe. And and we just didn't feel it had the 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 breadth that we needed. So it was throwing up perfectly good companies like you know, like a like a compass group, you know, catering to the education sector, but just didn't feel authentic. So that was one where we continue to monitor it, but it was one where the top-down idea sounded really compelling, but we just didn't feel we could build together uh, an optimal size of universe, so we, we abandoned that idea. And let's look at themes over the past couple of months. Um, obviously, during the pandemic, what have been your strongest themes? During the, the, the last sort of few months the thematic I mean themes generally have, have tended to do well healthcare innovation has been an area that you know in, 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 the, in the, the industry more widely that's been an obvious beneficiary and so have strategies that have been in that area of, of, of kind of disruption you know how we respond to the um, pandemic so areas in the disruption disruption area healthcare some of those manufacturing types of areas where the the pandemic has happened it's we talked earlier about population and resources it's made a, it's been a massive problem for governments with finite resources to serve their populations and every industry seen supply and demand get completely turned upside down so things like manufacturing areas the sort of smart manufacturing they've been good areas within the market because companies are having to buy the technology to make sure they've got backup supply for if this kind of disruption happens again so generally speaking so that's sort of mainly sort of supplied well that's kind of mainly supply chains sort of areas isn't it yeah exactly and a lot of the it's been about preparing it's, it's kind of response and 
action. So healthcare, we're responding to this crisis and we're preparing to make sure we're able to deal with the next one. For you know, providers of e-commerce, they've, they've responded. I talked about those late adopters, but they're also making sure that their warehouses and all their equipment can deal with a similar issue in the future. So they're the kind of areas that have been, been strong areas. Let's look at what's struggled, um, because it can't all be rosy. What's been the themes that have struggled over the past couple of months? And, uh, in terms of themes generally in the marketplace, um, one of the interesting things that we, we see is that if you take a sort of peer group, if you like, of, of funds playing broadly the same theme, there is actually, there can be quite a bit of divergence and that's often because these funds are kind of high active share funds. And that can be a function of the the sub-themes that the, the individual managers are having. So I've, t- I've talked about the themes that have done well. Healthcare, disruption, con- consumer themes, those kind of areas. But actually, the range of performance between funds playing the same theme has been really quite broad because of the nature of, of the investment process. So, you know, talking of the industry more generally, I think it's thematic funds have done generally well in this difficult period for for the world, um, but the divergence of performance is quite wide. Yeah. Um, and, and have you seen that even, I, I, as you say, that's sort of a high active share there, but have you seen that even amongst passive funds in this area? And that's an interesting question, actually, because... The passive funds, there's quite a lot of art that is applied to, to passive funds building their universes, you know, working out scoring systems of, of exposure to particular themes. So, so even in the passive area, you can have a, a, a fair degree of difference of performance one fund and the other in nominally the same area. I think that's fair because I, I guess it's not like a... Uh, um, an index tracker like you know an S&P 500 tracker that you can get in an ETF it's you have to do some proprietary research really to to create an index to follow yeah that's right and you know different um, providers of, of funds have different rules for example about the threshold uh, above which a company's revenue qualifies it for a particular theme and that's something that, that, that we don't do um, with our active approach because we feel that if you measure things just on things like current revenue, there's a danger of being a little bit backward looking. As I was mentioning earlier, with the market being a discounting mechanism, a company with a, you know, a figure that might not seem extraordinary in a particular theme, if that exposure is growing, then that's a share price driver. And we're obviously trying to buy what's going to matter tomorrow rather than what's mattering today. So on that basis, do you have a kind of um, market cap requirement on your active investing in thematic investing we we don't have a, a market so we're complete we're unconstrained um and we're, we're looking to cover cover the whole market cap kind of arena um and you know in some funds we we have kind of incubator stocks that that we look at as you know, potential winners for the future um and so the market cap is not something that we're, we're, we're concerned about. Well, David, it's been a, a real pleasure to speak to you this afternoon. Thank you.
Likewise, and um, thank you for, for having me on. Schroders is built on 200 years of experience and expertise. We partner with our clients, constructing innovative products and solutions across private assets and alternatives, solutions, mutual funds, institutional and wealth management. By combining our commitment to active management and focus on sustainability, our strategic capabilities are designed to deliver positive outcomes. With over 5,000 talented staff across 35 locations, we are able to stay close to our clients and understand their needs.